If you're looking for success, it's in the details. Small hinges move big doors. And now your host, Karen Allen. Hey, beautiful human. Welcome back to another episode of In the Details with yours truly, Karen Allen. I'm here with a a new friend of mine, Anthony Trucks. Welcome, Anthony. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anthony, you are a speaker and also author of new book, Identity Shift, where you're teaching people how to upgrade how they operate so they can elevate their life. I mean, we're going to dive into that, but uh, I would love to just hear, first of all, we both use the word shift. We We use the word shift. So I need you to define what does shift mean to you? Oh man, shifts. uh, It's, it's, it's to make small adjustments that change your life and time. I felt like the the word change is one that people have apprehension around because it's a heavy word. Like you got to change this, right? But, you know, it's the idea that these small, minute shifts can change a complete end destination by being like one degree different. Yeah. And so when I think of like who I used to be when I was like, say, for example, who I was when I was 18 years old, if I threw 18 year old Anthony into Anthony's life today, the dude would, would blow his brains out. He's like, it's too much, you know? <laughs> and, and I look, well, how did that happen? I didn't change something one day. It was small, minute shifts over the years that allowed me to get to here and be more present functional than I was at 18. So it's those little kind of adjustments over time. Absolutely. One of my favorite quotes is small hinges move big doors because you're Ooh. right. That- Yes. That's what I love about the shift though, is some people were using, you know, during the pandemic, we were using a lot of pivot. Oh, we have to pivot. But in my mm-hmm. mind, pivots, like you're keeping, I play basketball pivot is you're keeping one foot where you are. That's not what yeah. we need to do. No, no, no. You gotta get like, just, yeah, adjust a little bit. It's, it's different. I agree. Cause pivot's the big word. Cause it sounds good, but even then pivots change. Like I'm going here and I'm changing direction. Whereas like a, a shift is like, I just move my eyeballs a little bit. Like yeah. I see that it's just small, like so uniquely small. It could be as simple as being able to, to at one moment, like, you know what, I'm going to try to shift the way I see things and I'm going to yeah. see where do I have control? That's it. Just like that little shift. And if you see that, that leads to the next one and the next one. Cause sometimes things will happen. I go, oh, I, I got nothing I can do there. Well, now you're helpless and hopeless. But if I just go, no, maybe I do have some control and maybe yeah. I was the cause of this thing. Those little nuggets of thought that change the perspective change. Now the next actions, the next perspective, everything in your life can unfold differently. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a firm believer in that because my life has been the evidence of these little shifts that lead to big changes that I feel like were also guiding me. You know, it's not that I was just looking for them, but it was like I was open to them. And to think back, you're right. If I were to look at my 18 year old self and say, Hey, you should go live in that 38 year old's body. Karen would at 18 would be like, say what, what do we do? But, but the time in between has been, you know, these, these compilations of moments that just build on top of each other. So take us back to Anthony, who is, we'll say around 18, 19, 20. And so how did you get to this point where you are today with Mm -hmm. this different level of consciousness and open mind? And, and I would even say openness to grow, because it sounds like that's what you have. Oh yeah. yeah. The biggest room in the world is a room for improvement. Yeah. I love that. I was always, yeah, you know, if you go back, back in the time, the, the old, <laughs> old young Take Buckingham. Take us way back. <laughs> yeah, back to the future, Doc, Doc, whatever his name is. Uh, you know, at 18 years old, I was. I, I think we all are different people. I think you, you're different because you have this view of what the world is. You have the view of where you sit in the world. Um, there's actually studies that are done. Uh, Eric Erickson has studies that, that uncover this. There's a moment in time where we, we enter the world and we aren't quite sure who we are, where we really fit. We thought we did. And you're, you're kind of, you know, striking out it alone. And in doing so, there are two types of people. I think there are those who try to stay with that same identity and who they see themselves as and that mindset, all the stuff, they stay there 
and want the world to conform to them. And then if the world doesn't, uh, and maybe you aren't as good as you thought, maybe you don't know these things, whatever, what you do, you start blaming the world. You create this, this anger, you get this resentment, and then like your life sucks. It just sucks because everything sucks. Or you go, oh, okay, how do I build? How do I grow? How do I take the next step? How do I become the next version of myself that can handle this situation or do this to where it's not making me fall apart, but it's like my normal day. But there are things you do on a daily basis that most people would fall apart doing at any point in time, but it's like, that's my everyday. And I don't stress. It's easy for me. And it's just how I move through my day. And then because of that strength, it gets applied to other places. So I can make the money, have the, the joy, have the relationship, have the marriage. So if I go back all those years, I think what a lot of it was, was always having a perspective. And I don't know where it came from, but the perspective was, if I don't like this place, there is something I can do to make the situation better. And it, it showed up in a lot of different ways. And I realized that only I was going to be the one that could do it. No one's going to come save me. It's not going to be this, you know, someone coming down and, and just begging, pleading, no, I'm going to do it on my own. And you actually get this kind of power and control that feels comfortable. And the more I, I apply that at the next level, the more it just kind of opened up more. So I, wait, I what that, was the first time that you noticed that inner strength? Uh, you know, I found it at 15. So it wasn't even at 18 yet. I was a kid. It was like a foster kid, grew up in a bunch of crazy and, you know, adopted to an all white family after 11 years in the foster care system and dealt with a whole bunch of weird abuse and torture and crazy as a kid. So I didn't have much confidence at all or any belief in my, my abilities. I did, however, know we were really poor. And if I was going to have anything, I was going to have to earn it. So I was a kid that was mowing lawns and, you know, going door to door and doing different stuff for like, you know, washing cars. And I would find ways to make money. I got a paper out at 12 years old which is it's a, an olden day thing. There's no way you're, I wouldn't even let my kids walk outside little longer <laughs> papers, you know, like get disappear in a day. So different world. But I think what happened was I, I had the sense of like, oh, I can do those things. Like if another human being can do it, I can do it. So at 15, it kind of settled in. And then I started playing football and in football I was really, really bad. Like I had this desire to do this thing and I sucked at it, which most of us, you think about when you first like want to do something. So like, true. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. And they go, oh, no, I'm trash. I'm terrible <laughs> at this. <laughs> and then you're met with the, the emotion of the pain, like, oh, this sucks. And so we try to like find ways to skirt out of it. In football, it's actually a physical pain also. People are hitting you. So I had this duality of pain and, and I stepped away from it. I checked out. You know, I found good ways to make good excuses to you know, chalk it up to the foster kid and bad situation, didn't have skills, six years behind my peers. And what happened was I had this off-season where I decided like, I, I, I want to be an animal. I want, I want to figure this thing out. Like, I don't want to live my life away from my dream. And mm -hmm. so I started doing things that, that were completely out of character. I think that that's been one of the key things for me is I, my character isn't, and my identity isn't tied to the outcome, but it's the efforts. Oh, and let's so, go. Oh, 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 hold on. <laughs> Pause and put a pin in that for the people who want to take a note. You're, yeah. That's actually one of the ways I parent my son. It's mm -hmm. not about the A that you got. It's the effort that you put in to getting Absolutely. that B or whatever, or C even like, was it hard for you? Was it hard? You know, like praise yeah, the effort, not the outcome. Let's go. All right. Sorry. All I wish, I wish kids got that. They think we, like my son, he thinks like, you know, you do, you hate me. I'm like, bro, I don't hate you. I hate your work ethic. I figure them out when we good. And if I, if I hated you, I wouldn't talk to you about your work ethic. I would just let you do it. The fact that I talked to you about it. I yeah, love yeah. that you separate that for him. Yeah. Good job. I, I, we really do. I'm dead side talk about all this. We had a conversation last night at the dinner table anyways, but, but yeah, that's a big thing for me. And I, uh, I had this mentality of like, I'm just going to work a thing. So I, 
I would go forth against teammates and against people making fun of me and poking, you know, at me and poking fun. And you suck. Why are you doing that? And you just keep doing it. And, and it's interesting that this is kind of what I look back on, but it's the moments when I felt the most uncomfortable that created a new sense of self. Mm. And I tell people now that there's this thought that people have negatively around out of character actions. I don't want to do it. That's out of character. Well, yeah, yeah, but but out of character doesn't always have to go down a level. Yeah. Out of character is up a level. It's just a new character, right? So for me, I, I did this work and I came back the next year. And because I'd done seven months of this out of character work, it was now my new character. I was this guy that was faster, stronger, but more so I had this like mean mentality, not in a sense of like, I hated people or I had some, you know, axe to grind, but it was this, I have done too much work in the dark for you to take what is mine, the light, mm. my future now. And so that was the mentality that's always been, it's shown up multiple times over my career in sports and my career in business. And it wasn't until recently, like that I looked back and go, oh, wow, wow. That was, that was what I was doing the whole entire time. And I don't know if it came innately or it was like, I don't know, but I th- if you look at anybody, that's what it turns into. Actually, now we, we have this, this whole new marketing angle. The, the next book will be called Dark Work. Mm. I think there's a world we live in nowadays where everybody's like, document and show this and do that. You know? And it's like, yeah, that, that's great. Holy great. But those you look up to, they did stuff that was uncelebrated, unsexy, difficult, hard, and only for them to see. And that's why they shine and you love their light. Yes. The dark work. Yes. And so for me, I, I look back and that's what I did time after time was when things got hard. I, for some reason, would turn off the lights and go dark and I would pop back and say, emerge back into the light with more skills or more you know, mentality or just more ability that people love. Like, oh, it's so great. You know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great, but I'm not surprised by it. Like, right. I'm not. Right. I, it's because I've been I in expected it. it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I expected this. If, it's, it's an expectation because of the work I did. Because I, I think at the end of the day, our goals have like an identity or a mind that's super strong, but that is only going to be as strong as the depth of dark work you've done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting mm-hmm. that you say that because we give a lot of praise and even accolades. And I experienced this as an entrepreneur, um, you know, getting a lot of no's and turned down because I didn't have the social media following. And we praise mm-hmm. that when we see people put so much of their life Uh, or their work on social media, you know, like complete strangers get really invested in parts of your life where you're like, yo, I'm just unpacking a box. Like this is all, you know, but, but what's interesting about that is like, I found personally that I don't post a lot. And I was explaining this to my friend the other day because I'm so present in the moment because I live like, right. But I love how you're talking about these like dark spaces where we, where we do this work because part of what I've noticed in myself, and I hope that this is for other people who are on this growth path, is like, I am in it so deep for me to pull out to explain to you or show you what I'm doing is actually wasted energy to me. 100%. You're talking my language. I literally write notes on this exact statement in, in different <laughs> words. Because it is. Because I'm like, if you were taking the time, think about, here's the thing. There's a study came out, 2016 Inc. Magazine, and it showed that after people were looking at how much time is spent on work in an eight-hour day, they found two hours and 53 minutes on average. Mm-hmm. So we're saying that's a person at an office, right? And if you're at home, you're even more distracted. Most entrepreneurs are at home. So let's say, let's just give you the benefit of the doubt. You got three hours, you can actually, and you are actually doing focused, dialed work. If you're spending an hour and a half two hours of that thinking of the newest reel and what the, you are not being productive. So yes, it's like, 
How can you definitively think of like, all right, I'm going to focus on making this great piece of art. Okay. I can put the tripod over here, camera over here. Is the lighting pretty good? How long should this video be? You're not even doing the art. You're not so, even doing the work. So there's this dynamic where I get, yes, I 100% understand we have to document and show. I call it, you have to flash, right? I'm doing my work off flash a lot. Hey guys, I've been working on this for a little bit. This is what I got going on. Give it a day, you'll engage, but go back dark. Create and build because then when you come out, you can actually have the years or the hours of the built up energy and information and skill set. You can spend time talking now because you've done the developed work and skill. But doing it in duality, it's been pushed so you got to post it 17 times a day. And it's like, oh. so people's mentality is that. And now you're, you document the journey. You aren't even spending time walking. You're taking you're pictures on the of flowers, you know? And so it's this dynamic where it's, it's against the grain a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's actually the reality of all that are successful. Everybody yeah. I've noticed it from athletes to the industries of, of executives to our, our industry, personal development, yeah. every single person will tell you about windows of time when they were just off the grid for months and they pop back up and they create this thing. And it's like, you know, when you're around somebody who has more information than you can fathom coming out of them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you step into a room, it's a fish out of water feeling like they're rattling things off. It's like, I didn't even know that that was a thought that I could have, you know, like there's yeah. just so, and when you talk to them, it's not because they were documenting while they were reading and researching, they were just dark and they come out and it's all there. And so that's what we look up to yet. What we're doing isn't going to get us there. Right, 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 right. So one of the things that you mentioned is uh, when you go dark and having gone dark, it's like when you're really doing a lot of work, right? And so I was, after losing my husband, it was about four years, I was practicing this thing. And I thought, and it was innate so much that I, I took it for granted until I realized, oh, what's natural for me isn't natural for everyone. That's nope. that's the stop and shift method, actually. I, yeah. yeah, I've been doing it so much that I was like, I quite literally created new neural pathways in my brain. And this is Mm -hmm. something I can teach other people like this is, and it was like this epiphany on how connected we are on Mm -hmm. how like the, the pain or suffering I've been through and what I learned from it can actually help someone else. Even though our stories are completely different. Have you had one of those moments where you're like, Oh, this was the tool. And what was that tool? This is something I've done. I've seen fruit in my life from Mm -hmm. this thing. And now I share it with others. Do you have something like that? That's my whole life. That's the shift method. That's what we call it. I alluded to it earlier. Um, It's kind of thing where I was doing it, but didn't realize I was doing it, you know, and and it had showed up multiple times. And it's funny as I, I was in this room with a bunch of amazing men and uh, it wasn't a room. It was actually outside in the, in that Jackson hole, Wyoming around a campfire. And I'm talking dudes that are like the, the granddad, you know, big dudes in our industry, uh, a good, probably like 50% of them easily. And I'm telling my story. I'm a new guy to the group and telling my story, what I got going on. And one of the guys, he goes, I don't like it. And I go, bro, what do you mean you don't like it? This is like, I've been working on this for like five years. This is my life. He goes, I don't like it. I go, okay, let me put the ego away for a second. I said, well, what, what, what is it you're hearing? What's going on? He goes, well, there's a message and a messenger. And he says, you're the messenger. You can talk, speak, share. Like, I got that. Like, I like you. He says, but the message, he's like, because the brand for me used to be called Trust Your Hustle. Mm. And, and he's like, dude, every one of us hustle. Like, that's the thing. We all hustle. But he says, I want to know how did you navigate the different shifts of your identity from this little kid that's out of foster care, beating the statistics, you grow up in you know poverty and craziness, the all white family, you have a kid at a young age, meet your real dad, you, you play college sports, professional sports, you come home, you fall, fall apart, your life just goes to crap, you're divorced, you remarried your ex-wife. Like He's like, how, how in the hell are you in this room? 
And it was interesting because I was like, oh, I, I never thought about that. Like, that's the thing. I was living my life and doing my things. I go, I never thought about it. I goes, yeah, there's something to your identity as a human that is, that is, it's bright. It's a, it's a glowing thing that I, I would love to know about. So that was my, my catalyst to digging into identity and look at it and going, oh, this is something that I have almost inherently really navigated well. And the things that I've navigated, like that I've gone through, I think we counted my wife and I at one point, like 32 things that are like life-changing events that some people never get past. Mm-hmm. This is a bunch of them. And they just stack and stack and stack. And it's like, so how'd you get through them? And I go, oh, so I take a look back and I go, oh, every time something new came up, I, I sound the same question. Like, okay, this is, this is what's going on. Who's the person that's going to succeed the next level? Like, well, who is that person at that tier? And I would look and find and research and find people how they think or thought. And I go, okay, that's, that's what I got to do. And I would be okay doing the out of character work because I identified with the effort, not the outcome, not that, not that, that who's that person that has that. So I have no problem starting something and people going, you suck. Well, yeah, I suck when I was 15. I started out playing football and I was trash, but guess seven months later, I took your job. You know, like it's a whole <laughs> that's <different> right. <laughs> you so saw that effort me, pay off. <laughs> so for me, I'm like, yeah, if I can just, if I can settle into the effort, I'm going to do good. But I didn't realize that selling in the effort and the actions of that effort would turn me into somebody new every time. And that was always the outcome that I shot for and didn't know I was doing it. So your focus, the thing that you innately were doing that other people can do, we just sometimes don't even tap into it. Or we don't, what you did was you took a pause to look back. That's what I did. I was like, wait, how did I get here to look back at? So your focus became less on the outcome and more on the effort. So it's like, I see where I want to go. Now let me back up. And how do I get there? Which honestly is true for every single successful person. (laughs) Everyone's done it. Even unsuccessful to level. Anybody has ever, if you and your life have gotten to a point beyond a past point, you have done this already. The problem is, is you either do we do it by chance or by choice, right? So chance is like I'm forced to do it. Something happened and I'm like, I'm being drugged like a mule up this hill to get it done. Now my marriage is falling apart. I'm, I'm fighting it for 10 years, right? Or by choice. Hey, this thing sucks. You know what? I'm not doing well. Let me, let me choose to make the adjustments. What do those look like? Let me drop the pride, drop the ego, swallow, you know, and just move. And so for me, there are a lot of like moments in life. My wife, I'm married. I have an amazing wife and we fight because we're human. Right. Mm-hmm. But at this point, like in time, if I am in the middle of the argument, and I know I'm wrong. I'll go, you know what? I'm wrong. Mm. I don't got to drag it out for seven days. And I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to walk around the house. Cause why, what am I going to save my pride for you? Like, why would I do that? You're, you're the person. <laughs> why am I wasting forward. that much energy on trying Pointless. to protect my ego when I could just own up to it so we could actually flow forward. Yeah. And I want to, and I want to identify as a good husband and I want to identify as a person willing to do the work for the marriage. And in the moment that work is dropping the ego, admitting my fault, let's press forward. Like mm. those are the things. And so in, in these areas, most people, they just, they, they don't do it by choice. They're dragged to do it. And if you can just step back and I don't mean the choice in the moment that goes, yeah, I do want to do that. I mean, the choice in that moment that's necessary because us sitting here, we could say, yeah, I'm willing to do anything. Really? Okay. Mm. Sounds good. And the moment arrives, and then do you do it? Because that's mm-hmm. the only one that matters. And most people, the effort, moment, actually. that's the effort. It sounds good sitting here. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm down doing a two hour workout. Yeah, you get in 15 minutes in, and you're like, I can't breathe. You, you cool? Are you still gonna do the two hour workout? You know, that, that's the thing. It's when things get difficult, can you settle into to leveling up to it? Yes. That, that's really what it all turns into. And there's actually some, um, I don't know where the data come from. 
but there's, you might like this too, for neuroplasticity, maybe you know this already, but like there's some, like a brain protein that is released when you are faced with difficulty that stresses you. And in fact, it, it uncodes more of your DNA. Mm. So you kind of become more of your, you, a better you through difficulty. It's mm. kind of like in the weight room. If I want to get stronger basketball, right? You want to jump higher. I got to do things that hurt right now so I can do better later. And most people are leaving the weight room of life. Yeah. They're not yeah. getting that yeah. push. They're stepping away from it. They're seeking comfort because the brain wants comfort. Yeah. And then the later on, they wonder, well, why can't I pass the test? Why can't I perform very well? Oh, because you didn't, you didn't train and practice. Right. And when you did show up, when it got hard, you left. Yes. And so now you're faced with a moment that you can't handle because you didn't do the work when you're supposed to. And another way to look at that effort is healthy stress, right? We need yeah. stress and we need Who's rest stressed? if we want to grow. You have to put in the effort if you are desiring a specific outcome, whether you desire to be a, a healthy partner and to be in a happy marriage, or you want to make a team, or you want to grow a business. It's not just you wishing and planning, which, hey, listen, I believe in manifestation. I've seen the power of manifestation, but that's not just a wish or a hope or a prayer. That is you combining belief with also building and taking action. So here's what I have found. I wonder if you have something, Anthony, that helps you because we get caught up in the emotions of the moment, right? So you find yourself in a stressful moment. The emotions are running high. Basically your amygdala is hijacked because the right side of your brain is just firing off. You're stressed. And then when your amygdala is hijacked, the part of your brain that you need to engage to make good decisions, which is called the prefrontal cortex goes offline. So I had to figure out, I didn't know this then, now I have the terminology, but I had to figure this out early on when I was really, really deep in my grief and I didn't want to do anything. I was just living on autopilot and that was so unhealthy. It was unhealthy for myself and for my son. So this thing that I started to do that I didn't realize and now I teach people is I found my internal guiding compass and it became at the time three words. Sometimes it'll be four, but I knew that I wanted to be a healthy, happy, and whole mom. That's what I realized. So by anchoring myself to who I wanted to be, as you mentioned, oh, I want to be in this marriage and be a, a healthy partner and be a loving husband, all that. So you decide that you want to be that person. And then you flex that effort in the moment where you start to feel stressed. So when I anchored myself and who I wanted to be, even now, when I try to practice mindful parenting hundred percent of the time, and because I'm human, I don't. When I mess up and I am that imperfect parent and I do something that I feel bad about instead of letting my ego just let that continued generational trauma into my son, I pause for a moment and I ask myself, Karen, who do you want to be and how would she show up right now? And I apologize or, you know, do what I need to basically. So is there something that you do in the moment in your mind? Is it a visualization? Is it a question? Like, what do you do when you are stressed and your amygdala has been hijacked and you need to bring yourself back into a space that's more neutral so that you can make a composed decision? What does that look like inside your mind? Yeah. Well, the good thing is you're, you're talking about a lot of things that, um, well, first off, all this stuff is relative, right? To each person. So it's going to be different. So as everybody's listening to this, to realize that things that are stressing us out or stress based stress me and you out, may not stress you out and vice versa. Oh, um, also, I want to throw out that, that this yeah. could be something I describe it as a neurotypical person. We mm -hmm. understand that there may be people who have anxiety disorders, depressed, yeah. you may be on the spectrum for autism, even all mm -hmm. of that changes your chemical balance. So please know, I just want to throw this disclaimer that we honor that space for everybody. Everybody is different, but our brains are able to at least harness the power of some of these tools that Anthony and I are discussing. So I just want to throw that out 100%. there to be sensitive. 
Yeah, yeah, no, and I, and I agree, it needs to be done. I think that's one of the things I try to lay on people too in the beginning. It's like, hey, I'm gonna tell you things about me, but don't sit here and engage on me because yeah. it's all relative. It is all relative. There's, seriously, there's a ton of things that I go, that's not stressful. And then, then I tell them what I do. And they're like, ah, oh, that's not stressful. I'm like, well, oh, it's it's just life, right? Yeah. Um, and then what you talked about, I, I sum up is when emotion is high, intelligence is low. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell people because it's what you're talking about from a neuroscientist, you know, kind of way. That's what it is. When when I get spun up, I am not thinking, and I'm just kind of I'm I'm in that uh, we'll call it the id base of the you know this id ego super ego. I'm an id. I'm just based instinctual, which is what I want right now. And so we we sometimes will do things that we can't undo, and so for me. I agree that you have to have something that can stop you to actually have you process. Cause if I'm in a moment of doing something and I'm saying things, you ask the question of, and which is good. You frame it as who do I want to be? These are identity things. So my work's an identity. These are identity things. I want to be happy, healthy, right? These are things that I want to identify as. And what I found was I can identify as those for sure. But I asked this question and it came from me reading a study by UCLA called Stranger Inside. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they hooked these dials, to these people's brains, and they showed them pictures of people they love. And they said, you know, who's this? And the, the brain set off love, you know, and okay, who's this? Somebody said love. And they put a stranger up there and they go, who's this person? You know, I'm a stranger lit up in the brain, not love. And they said, tell me about your future self and stranger lit up in the brain. So I realized that for a lot of us that we don't even have a direct, really intimate connection with future self. And wow. Mayor, I think it was Merrill Lynch took this information and applied it to a thing called face your future, gave pictures, people pictures of their aged self and investments in their, their future went up by 40%. So what? right. Isn't that crazy? So this, this nuanced thing. So what I do is I ask this simple, I say all that to tell you this, when I'm in those moments, I say, who is a person I most want to be similar to, or how do I like how they handle these moments? And I say, how would that person handle this moment right now? For an example, let's say I, I'm in a, a moment of stress and it's, I got to get a workout in. I don't want to work out. My body hurts. It's tired. I've had a long work day. I'm fighting my spouse, right? I can say, well, I want to be happy and I want to be healthy. So I should go and work out, right? But that doesn't sometimes drive me because it's just me and a future self. It's a stranger. But I go, what would the rock do right now? Yes. <laughs> Right. And then you get an answer because, you know, and you go, damn it. And that's what you do. Yeah. And so now it's like you're, I'm being pulled into a space of an identity that's beyond the one I can see in my own bubble because I'm a stranger to it. And so it's very similar to that. Right. Because I can choose someone that's happy and healthy and blankety blank. Mm-hmm. And then I can attach them and go, what would that person do in this moment right now? Mm-hmm. And then you get an answer. And then the thing is, if I want to be like that human, I got to do what that human would do. And so it's very similar. That's actually a genuine process I do in my life. I'm like, like every, I work out five days a week and I do not want to work out all five of those days every week. And I'll be in the middle of the, and there's no one there. It's just me. There's, you know, three sets to do. And I could be like, if I just miss this last one, no one's going to know. But then I go, what would the rock do? I love it. And I go, ah, I'll do it. Cause, cause I would know, like I would know. And I don't want to live with that in my soul, especially being a leader in how I lead. But I ask the question and I get the answer and then I, I shut off the conversation. I'm no longer negotiating. And now we're going to go in line. Man, you took me back to this moment where I hit a plateau in work and building because I had so many no's and mm-hmm. I was really questioning, am I supposed to do this? Like, you know, you're hoping and wishing for like a sign from the universe, but at some point it really just comes down to, do you want it bad enough? Or are you going to keep going? Mm-hmm. And I remember having this moment because my, my family's from Philly. So I'm a huge Kobe fan. Michael is still go. the best up front, but then we got Kobe, right? Yeah. And I would say, what would Kobe do? Yeah. It's so funny that I, I forgot that I did that because I 
appreciated so much his work ethic. And he talked about his Mamba mentality and why he would go there and how he would. And because I didn't have a Mamba thing, it, I, it became him. Yeah. Him being in the gym late, getting up early, being there longer than other people. And I'm so glad because that was the, the last plateau that I hit before I really found my rhythm and my flow. Oh. And you're yeah. right. It's so interesting that you say that because you can harness the power. You can feel inspired, right? But that comes from within. But you're, what you're really doing is you're anchoring yourself to an end product that you see that you value. And that yeah. gives you energy to go. And I, I, I call it an identity. Like it's, it's interesting. Identity and, and mindset have very, like very similar connections. In fact, a mindset lives inside of an identity, but it's a humongous piece of it all. And like, when you look at like the mama mentality, like that's a mentality, it's a mindset we'll call it, but there's also an identity attached to yeah. it. There is, if you think about it, there's, there's a, a, you can almost view a person. If I can put it to a person, it's more than just how I think in difficult times. It, it, it means something It embodies something and that. So when I, it's almost like a guttural, non-verbal way that I can connect to what that is. So mm-hmm. if somebody's asked me to explain all of it, like you can't always put it into words, but you know the feeling of it, mm-hmm. that becomes an identity. Like it's an all engaged thing. So like we were viewing Kobe be, you know, the Mamba. You're, you're viewing like, you know, Beyonce is Sasha Fierce. You're viewing yes. these, these identities and how they would show up. And it was just this, it was a separation from who I was. It was, it was a hired, and I, what I would do is, try to live in the embodiment of it. And then if you can do that, you start seeing that you start moving into the point. Because here's the interesting thing. If you were to ask somebody like, who are you? No one goes, I'm this mindset. Right. They go, I'm a mom, I'm a dad, I'm a coach, I'm a X, Y, Z, right? That, but no one goes, I'm a mindset. And, and that should be a very clear thing that mindset's part of it, right? Because to be a mom, there's a mindset around being a good mom or a good dad. That both of those have to individually be worked on. I have to work my mindset as its own core piece, but I also have to understand there's other components that make up the identity of that as well. And so when you start understanding the flow together, it comes down to just like, who are you as a human? And, yes. and in that, it all wraps together. Absolutely. Mm. I think about you, you mentioned some of the different adversity that you've gone through so many different 32, right? We have a number two. Right now. <laughs> but Weirdly, right? I want yeah. I don't remember that. Like what, let me think through them. I went through my years, man. It was a while. I think for the last, up until maybe last year? Yeah. up No. <laughs> yeah. I think we've had 37 that I can count from my childhood. We'll assume that childhood, um, you know, up to three at three was the mark. So we'll call it 34, 34, 35, but it's been these years of never having a single year go without some crazy, like life altering thing take place. Like, holy, what in the hell? Like last year we finished off a lawsuit. I had to sue my aunt because mm-hmm. she stole money. She wrote my dad out of a will stole a million dollars, her and my uncle from my grandma before she passed with Alzheimer's, like, like salty, crazy, like evil human stuff. And like, I was the only one in the family with, with the wherewithal and the money and the time to be able to battle this. So I'm, I'm battling for all the family. Like, this is just last year. Like these things, they yeah. never seem to stop. And it's, it's so far this year, I'm good. This might be the first one <laughs> without any crazy. But uh, you never know. We got a half a year to go. I know, and, I know, you know I know. Dynamics. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's to this point now where you say I got a lot, but I think it's kind of me looking at life going, hey, man, you're throwing a lot at me, bro. So I don't know what you're still trying to do, but like, hey, just know I got you. Like, uh, yes. Yes. like I'm good. I'm good so far. I don't know what you got. You can tell me that's going to break me, but go ahead and keep trying. Yeah, but there's something to that, right? Because many of us grow up thinking that, oh, if we do these things, life will be easy. It'll be like we're trying to find the easy way instead of, and this is something I say all the time, instead of accepting the fact that life is messy. 
and asking yourself instead. So how can I make life beautiful in the mess? Mm -hmm. Right. Because we all, I mean, what, you know, what really happened over the pandemic, we had all of these different shocks to our system that, Oh, all of these things we felt like were certain or we could bank on, or we know what our rhythm of life is. It completely changed. Mm -hmm. And because we went through that at the same time, we experienced this collective grief, right? Because grief isn't just tied to a death. It's tied to any kind of change or uncertainty. And Mm -hmm. so what I think people were reminded of is that things can change in a heartbeat. Now, some people fortunate, call them fortunate or not, have been able to get through a lot of their life, not dealing with, you know, the, the pitfalls and the curveballs that we have, you and I both have been through some really crazy stuff that we would have never said, Hey, I'll take that. So I can grow like, no, thanks. We're not signing up for it. But I think the reality is that everybody goes through something and something is always going to be thrown at you. So how do you, and I would say, because you've had so many of these different adversities that continue to help you grow, how do you help someone who's in the throes of their challenge and their tough time? Like, how do you help them start to see the light? Cause I think maybe some of this is our natural wiring, but mm-hmm. what I know to be true, it's really about how I decided, how I have actively chosen, how I have consciously embraced what life has given me and how I respond to it. I know that all of that is a choice. Mm -hmm. And there are people who choose the opposite. Like, no, I'm okay being miserable. So if you were talking to that type of person, who's like, I am where I am and it is what it is. What's something you would say to them? Yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of things. Well, I'll, I'll frame it as one though. Um, and it's, it's, I'm going to start this by saying that I heard this thing recently and I don't know who told me, but I, they told me that I think Tony Robbins said, and he says, some people's biggest problems that they think that they shouldn't have problems. Mm. And I, I was like, that's a beautiful one. I've never heard before, but I a hundred percent agree. Sign me up. And, and I think there is this reality for me that it's not, it's not if something goes wrong, but it's, it's when it's an inevitable. It happens. And I, and I feel it's okay. Cause I, I bring me the problem and I got a great depth of sense and confidence in me and my, I'm still here. All stuff's happened. I'm still here. So like, all right, I got something going for me. And I, but life isn't supposed to be devoid of all problems. I have problems. Even now I call them Cadillac problems, you know, smooth suspension. And I, I feel them, but not as bad as, you know, if I'm in a Rocky four by four. But there's that part. But then when people show up and they go, I got this stuff going on, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm shut down. What you'll find is that we, we draw from this, um, this space of emotion to fuel us. And, and I don't think it's the best place to come from. Because if you go off your emotion, well, then your emotion tells you just sit here, eat some bonbons, watch Netflix, you know, distract yourself and don't feel it. And that doesn't change your life. It just creates more of what you have in the moment. And that sucks. And so for me, I, I tell people action ends suffering. Whatever suffering you got, there's going to be a, a collection of actions. It may not be the first one or the second one or the 50th one. Who knows? But there's going to be a collection of actions that will end this. And it may not be fun. It, it may, you may not feel like you honestly probably won't feel like doing anything in the moment that's most necessary for you to do something. But it's got to be tied to an action. And so there's, there's, here's the biggest steps that I take with people. As I say, first, we are tribal humans. We are built to be around people, camaraderie, conversation, it, literally. Like if you're, if you're born and don't have any humans, like you'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I tell people is you have to go and borrow joy. Go around people who are happier and borrow their joy. And people go, oh, I got problems. I don't want to burden somebody. When you got a really good friend who reaches out, would you, like, there's a, it's like a, I get happy when my friends go, I got some stuff. Can we talk? Hell yeah, man, let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you're not a burden to me. I get to flex a muscle that I really get to flex because so few people ask for help. So like for you, yeah, for me, I want to feel good. I like humans like to be desired. So 
when you think like, I want to stick away from my friends, problem for both of you. So first off, borrow joy, be around people. When you're in a funky mood and you go around somebody, the first thing they do is like, let's go get a beer. Let's go hang out. Let's go take a trip. You know, let's go. You know, they want, they want to go do stuff. And then what happens is when you're around them, they're going to give you insights and perspectives that you wouldn't see. Talk about stuff, vent, be cathartic, let it out. And then in doing so, you'll find that there's like different things that, that are the actions that'll solve it. Sometimes the action isn't always just to make progress. Sometimes the action is to get yourself outside and go for a walk at the park with your yeah. friend. That's the action to begin with, you know? And then sometimes the, the action is to write your feelings out or the action is to cry. Like that, that's the beginning ones. But once that moves, even as small as it is, you go, I did something, feel a little bit accomplished. I have a little bit of fuel to move to the next thing and the next thing. And it's sex, like a brick, you know, a brick by brick building a cathedral. Yeah. And at some point, if you've taken those actions, they do get bigger, they do get scarier, they do get harder. But eventually you, you look back at this pride that is the same I had when I was 15. It was this mentality of like, I've done too much work for my joy not to be great in this moment of my life, for that to be my light and my, my deserving gift. And so you don't get any of the things you want pride-wise, joy-wise, achievement-wise without specific actions. And I think when people are in funky places, that's what they don't do. They just don't take the next step. And I think it also is because they think they have to do big things where mm -hmm. that's, that's why I love that you mentioned that. It's like, yes, do something, but it's okay if even that something is small. Yeah. In the beginning of the year, people always ask, and it's every year people ask, Hey, you're going to go big this year. And I go, nah, I'm gonna go real small, but in a very <laughs> big way. Like, that's my thing. <laughs> I love that. I go, I go super small. I go, this, what's the minute individual, like our thing, but I'm gonna do that big, man. It's gonna be a big 15 minutes each day this year. Like, but that's the, that's the thing for me. It changes because what it is, it's a difficult thing that at the end of the year, where I may not have said that's who I am, I'm now the person that does this. I identify as it. Mm -hmm. And what was hard in the beginning is now hard not to do. Yeah. That, that, that's what I'm searching for is things because it all ties to alignment for us as humans. Can you get up and do something that's in alignment, right? Because if people, there's such a fear of alignment that there's been studies that in the face of glaring proof of you being wrong, you, people will still fight for their position. You can give them five mm -hmm. pieces of proof that show they're wrong. They'll still fight. Why? It, it's mostly just alignment. I don't want to be out of alignment with what I thought or be wrong. And mm -hmm. so when I'm starting to work on stuff and I identify as that thing now where I could just, you know, in the beginning, hate doing it. Now I can't go to bed until that gets done because that's who I am now. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of alignment you want, but it has to happen through small actions done big. Mm -hmm. When you align yourself with who you want to be, it actually gets easier to make oh, decisions yeah. with being to be that person. Yeah, then then it's it's not even like we also have a decision fatigue tank. Like if you think about that fatigue tank, like when you're thinking, it's like maybe you know you can get a certain amount of choices, decisions thought out, and then you're like, I don't want to think anymore. <laughs> I don't want to process anymore. It's seriously, it happens. Yeah, so me, I know. That's yeah. why I try to just wear the same thing almost every day, black. I'm just like, can I just wear black? Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Well, think about it like this. If I get up and my day says, hey, um, you know, I have to get up and check my emails, get a workout in, have this coaching call, create this content, make these videos and say it's, you know, a few hours. Well, in the beginning, I go, this is hard. Like, I, I got to get up and do my emails. Okay. You want to do it? Yeah. You got this. Um, okay. What's not going to film videos? Do you really want to do it right now? Back and forth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what happens by the middle, like three, four hours, my brain's spent. I'm done because I'm deciding, right? But if I get up and I'm the guy who writes the emails, I'm the guy who does the, the, the voicemails, I'm the guy who does the videos. By four hours in, I still got 80% of my tank because I wasn't choosing whether I do it. It's just who I am. 
And so now at, at the end of a year, let's say you can go, let's say you got four hours and I got eight. I'm two years ahead of your one because I identify with those actions. So what you are falling apart on on Monday, I'm doing it every day of the week and I'm on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and it stacks. Mm -hmm. So this is where people don't realize why the identity is such a big thing. It's not just how you see yourself because how you identify shows up in the actions you have and the actions you have and take are the things that create the life around you. Oh my gosh. Just by being clear on your identity, you can reach your peak performance you, you accelerate your chances of reaching peak performance because you're not feeling that mental exhaustion of trying to decide or do, or can I, should I now later? No, you just, you know who you want to be. I will say this though, speaking of working out, cause this is a, this is a safe space, a judgment-free zone. Oh, <laughs> I recognize that I want to be healthy. That's my identity as a healthy person. Yeah. And whether it's going for a walk around the community or doing one day, I knew that I know I'm a healthy person and I knew I didn't want to go to the gym, but I kept saying, mm. no, I'm a healthy person. I'm a healthy person. I went to the gym and I walked on that treadmill for five minutes and I was like, and now I'm good. I'm done. I did what I needed to. I did something, but it, it was, it, yeah, but it was even doing the bare minimum of, you know, being that person, being that still felt good. It still like mm. gave off the endorphins and serotonin that, yeah. and actually, no, I'll think about it this way. Now that I'm thinking about which one it is, it was the dopamine of saying, no, I did this thing, right? Because yeah. that's tied to, to getting things done. Even yourself. when you do it in small ways, it yeah. still changes how you show up and makes an yeah. impact. Because you're now staying in alignment with who you are. Yeah. And, and what we don't understand or think about is, this is why I, I, I tied to self-love also, because when I love somebody, I will do anything for them. I'll fight for them. I'll go to battle, take a bullet for them. But in order for me to first like that or first love that person, I have to like respect that person. And if I don't respect the person, I don't have the same kind of deep love. And when we have these moments where we, we don't take the action or we're out of alignment, we lose a little bit of respect for ourselves. Mm. And then when I lose respect for myself. I lose love for myself. If I don't love myself, I don't take the actions to protect myself, to, to stand up for myself in, in hard moments. And so it's like, if, I, if I'm in a sales call in business, if I know in the core of me, I didn't get that workout in, lose some respect, a little bit of love's gone, then I start questioning, am I the person to lead? Should I even, you can't show up the way you need to in the sales call because you missed the extra set or didn't get the workout. People don't understand that that trickles in. It always does. And if you can understand that, like I get, I get to be so light yet so confident and powerful in my life simply because of the things that I do in alignment with my identity in the dark that nobody sees. That's how I show up in the light the way I do. And they're like, oh, you're special. No, I'm not, man. I just, I just did those little things. You do those little things. You're just as special or better. Those are the nuances that if people could just understand that the secret to life isn't a secret, it's just right there and doing things. It puts you in a space. Yes. You get the dopamine. You feel good. You feel, you feel like yourself. So therefore you, you are confident to show yourself to the world. Mm-hmm. And it points back to something you said earlier, even when you hit hard times, it's not just that you're confident, but you've built up the confidence and the self-love. You trust yourself. No matter what hard times are there, you trust your ability to get mm -hmm. through it. And at the end of the day, honestly, that's all that I want. It, life is going to throw whatever. There's so many things outside of my control, but no, can I show up and handle it? That's where I have that inner peace. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm. Then you don't fear the next stages. I, I look at the idea that like people always like, I'm afraid or I have this fear of failure and and I thought about like this, you're an athlete, right? So like, you know, when you had like those off season, you were in the weight room killing it and you're at the court killing it. Right? You weren't afraid to get in the court. You were like, bro, I can't wait. I'm chopping the bit. 
put me on the court. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, for me, when I have done this thing in the background, I can't contain it. There was, there was not a fear of beginning. There's an anxiety and anxiousness to get starting in a positive way. So when I see people go like, I'm, I'm afraid of failing, I'm afraid of starting. Uh, okay. Well, where does that come from? You just haven't prepared deep enough. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing we're looking at you because if you had done the work you needed to, you would be busting at the seams to get these things moving. That is so true. So it's just, it's a simple, it's weird logic that I'm like, it's not illogical. It's just that people they're, they're want, again, I think the desire to be in the light and shine so much people aren't spending enough time doing those little things you're talking about to build themselves up, to feel mm-hmm. confident, to show up in the way they need to. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, we could continue to talk for hours, friend. I am just, thank you so much for being here, sharing so much wisdom. I mean, from your own experience and and also just the wisdom that you've gleaned from others as you've continued to grow. I have one final question for you. You are highly successful and you've actually had multiple career paths that continue to build on each other. So just finish this sentence. Success is control. I think we all have this view of success. I've talked about this before and it's never changed for me. I've tried to see, could I change it? But people say, you know, it's, it's freedom. And I go, nah, a lot of us are free, but we're still confined. Like you're free to choose your job, but you feel confined in the job. Cause if I lose this job, I can't pay the bills. And so I got to stay here. Right. That's, that's not, that's freedom, but it's not control. And I think that what happens is when someone can like realize that control also doesn't have to be a billion dollars, you know? I have control of my life right now. I got up this morning at six or five thirty. Had a workout at six with a, with a buddy. After that, I came in the house and I had breakfast, ate with my wife. I went upstairs, took a shower, and then I, I had another interview and then I had a coaching call. We're here hanging out. When we're done with this, I can I can do whatever I want. Like I and I could also cancel. I canceled Monday yesterday to go to the the parade for the Warriors Club in the Bay Area. I have control of my life, but I'm not a billionaire, and I don't have Gucci belts all day, and I'm not driving a Ferrari every day. That that's. It, for some people, that is success. And that's totally cool. But even in that environment, they have control over certain things. So I think for me, success is, do I have control over my time, my health, and my relationships, and my career? Do I have control over how I even make the money in a way that I enjoy? And so yeah, for me, success is, can you, can you be in control? Because when you are, there's peace, there's freedom, there's flow. I don't feel like I'm at the, the whim of somebody else. You, know, you don't get two weeks off, and then you do. And then it, it's just little stuff. And so, and also- can I control myself in moments that I didn't plan for, right? Yes. Something I didn't expect. I can control myself in that aspect. So it's not just control of my life around me, but it's also control of the centered self. It's like if my wife asked, hey, like, matter of fact, yesterday I had like stuff that we're going to do and I was going to work on some things before we left. And she's like, can, can we go to the track and run? And I was like, I don't want to go to the track and run. But then she's like, please. And I was like, you know what? I can fight this and battle this. And she, you know, she, life will go on, but now I'm going to try to go. And so I went there, not want to go there, but I controlled the emotion and go, you know what? Let me find some joy in this. So I got to go out, hang out in the sun, run my wife, get a good workout. My oldest, my son too. So we all got a good workout in. When I was done, a couple hours of my life, but it felt good. And I, I controlled how I emotionally felt as opposed to battling going and running like, you know, eight fifty second sprints, which I almost puked uh, <laughs> to where now it's like, I, I, I have joy around it, but I controlled that emotion. That was, that was my internal control that most people don't have. I love that. And every time that I heard you say that, what kept flashing up was choice. I choose mm-hmm. this. I, I, yeah. I choose this life. I, I choose this emotion. I, ch- I control my, Oh my goodness. Let's go. Anthony trucks dropping gems all the way to hey, the yo. end. I love it. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> and shout out Dub Nation. We're Warriors fans over here hey. too. My best friend, my son's godfather nice. is out there in San Francisco. So we have been longtime Warrior friends. Uh, fans, happy to see them win the championship. And we that went you to, got to go to the to the parade. We went to, what, so yeah, probably went to game one. We also went to uh, we went to a couple games. I almost thought I was uh, messing the team up. I, you know, I, I didn't realize how big a role I had. Anyways, <laughs> Your energy. So, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> we, we went to game one at the at Chase and they lost. Then I then we didn't go to game two and they won. And then uh, <laughs> then then I want to say we went to. Yeah, then we then I didn't go to the game. And did they win? No, 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 no. So then, then they went off to Boston and lost at Boston. And then the next game we went to, no, they won in Boston. I they won in Boston. And yeah. Then, then they came back and went, we went and watched it at the chase center and they lost. And I was like, damn it. Every time I'm at the chase center, they lose the games. <laughs> and so like we, we ended up getting to the last game, which we were at the chase center. I'm like, look, if they lose this game, I'm not going to game seven. Cause I mean, every time I'm in the, in the actual chase center, they're not winning. And I, if that happens and I, I got to realize I don't I have a hidden jersey on because I'm losing games. <laughs> so but they won. We got to watch them win in Boston, which was a perfect place to do it because Boston, man, the people over there, they're, I mean, they're humans. But when it comes to their sports, they they make themselves unlikable. And that's no, oh, it's a tough it's tough. It's tough for the for the fan base, too. <laughs> Yeah, but, to, but there's people you I used to be making Aisha can't cook T-shirts like you take it to the dude's wife. Like, come rude, on, man, you're going to hold it's a different a, level. So when you get crowd. to win in front of them, oh, yeah. that's the one. Like, I, I actually like the way games for that reason. Like the home crowd's cool to win up. But I love going to somebody's house and just like, you know, taking a crap on their porch. We're going to leave that in or we're going to edit it out. My vote is to leave it in. I see you leave it in. I I don't take things out. I say my words. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Anthony, thank you so much for being with us today. Hanging out again, sharing so much wisdom. Where can people follow and connect with you? Oh yeah. Just go to, uh, at Anthony trucks on Instagram. Uh, it's pretty straightforward where to find me. And then there's a whole bunch of cool things from podcasts to coaching programs and other things I do from there. All right. Sounds good. Well, you guys heard it here. Anthony, thank you again for, for hanging out with us today and, uh, and for teaching us more about the shift method. Looking forward to all the good things that are coming from you. Thank you. This has been In the Details. If you like the show, tell a friend. For more shows like this, go to success.com slash podcasts.